Welcome to the East Memorial Student Podcast, your source for the biblical teaching of East Memorial Student Ministries. I'm your host, Matthew Ronsky, pastor of Students and Discipleship at East Memorial Baptist Church in Prattville, Alabama. Everyone should have gotten a chart. And so we're going to walk, the goal for today, this morning, is to walk through this chart that you have in front of you. Um, But before we do that, let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Lord, uh, we come to you in prayer, prayer and uh, thank you, Lord, for this Easter Sunday and just its reminder, Lord, of the fact that that your son, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead on the third day, and, um, and Lord, and he's the first fruits of that resurrection. That means all who follow him and believe in him will follow likewise and be resurrected in the exact same manner. And so, Lord, this is a day of celebration. This is a day of rejoicing for the Christian. Uh, it's such a central day, and so we just ask for your blessings upon it, blessings upon those who will be leading us in this next hour in music, and then, of course, the preaching from Brother Glenn we just ask that you'd be with all of us and also our, even our lesson this morning. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. So I mentioned this briefly on Wednesday that we would talk about chronology or timelines, specifically the timeline of the end, the time of the end, which is referenced in Daniel. And uh, you might remember that Last Wednesday, we talked about the 2,300 evenings and mornings. By the way, quiz question, how long is 2,300 evenings and mornings? 2,300, what are they? 2,300 what? Days. There we go. Okay, good, good. Believe it or not, there's a debate about that. You would, you'd be surprised, but, uh, but they are days, 2,300 days. And, uh, and so we, we talked a little bit about that, and, um, and that led me to say that we'll talk more about it this morning. And so that's what we're going to do. Now, the chart that you have in front of you is not a completely exhaustive chronology of the time of the end. So there's a lot of events that I don't have on there, such as the, all the plagues from Revelation and when those might happen. And, and that's okay. One, it would take a lot to fit everything on one page, one page of paper. Um, but also... Uh, what I wanted to do is really focus on the hard dates that are given in Scripture. So there are a number of, of hard dates or hard timelines in, in the sense that they actually list out the specific amount of days or months. And, and I want to take all of those and then really just address those dates. And so all the hard dates are, are on here. So for example, if you're looking at your chart, we... Uh, we have the one week. So we're going to talk about that, but that's seven years. Seven years, that covers that first uh, two, three and a half year periods. And then we have 1,260 days or times, times, and a half a time or 42 months. We also have 1,290 days, 1,335 days, 2,300 days, which we talked about this last week, and then 1,000 years. And so all of it is listed on this chart. All right, all of it's listed on the chart, and we're going to walk through and explain each of them. All right, and what we're going to do is we're going to start with the seven years, the seven years. Also, you might want to have a Bible with you as well. 
because I'm not going to have any scripture on the screen. So whether that's on your phone, and I think if you don't have a chart, looks like we, we ran out, um, just look on somebody next to you. So, unless they're, hey, the guys over there have a few extra, right? Okay, you got, okay. Carissa, you can, get, you can probably grab an extra one over there. So, the guys have it. All right, so seven years is the first, the first date that, or the period of time that we're going to cover. And where this comes from is in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. In fact, there's a few references in here that we'll cover today. But Daniel 9, 27 Now, in a few weeks, we'll, we'll go into this chapter in depth, and so there will be some repetition and some review that will occur over the next few weeks, but I'm going to read verse 27 to you right now, and uh, I'll explain as we go. So it says, and he, and now this he in the context is the Antichrist. This is the Antichrist. So, and he will make a firm covenant, or in the, in the Hebrew, it says, make a, a covenant strong or strengthen a covenant, with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So here in this verse, this one week, when, we, when, when we'll see this in Daniel 9, but when you study the weeks of Daniel 9, each week represents seven years, seven years. So they're, they're periods of seven, literally in the Hebrew. And in context, they, each week is a year or seven years. And so each, each, yeah, so each week is seven years. So one week would be a seven-year period. And as we see here, this period covers the beginning from when the Antichrist makes a covenant with many, to the end of his destruction, to when he, when he is finally defeated and killed. And, and so we have a roughly seven-year period, and you see that on the chart, the one week on the bottom, and that's broken up into two halves, because we saw in this, in this verse that halfway, mi the middle of the week, so after three and a half years, right, you divide seven by two, you get three and a half. After three and a half years, he makes a stop to sacrifice, and he commits what's called the abomination of desolation. And I don't think I explained much about the abomination of desolation this last weekend, but essentially, based on all the data that we have in Scripture, what it probably indicates is that the Antichrist is going to set up an idol or a statue of himself that will be like an object of worship, and he will put it in the temple of God and demand that all people worship him. And, and so that's likely what the abomination of desolation is, but he also stops sacrifice, and that happens in the middle of the one week. Now, all the other timelines that we are given in Daniel and in Revelation that we're going to cover today, they essentially begin at that middle point. So as you see in your chart, the middle point of that one week can be considered day zero. Day zero for the sake of reckoning all of our other, other timelines. So when the abomination of desolation happens, the sacrifice is stopped, 
It's the, it's the middle of that week. It's day zero. It's also the beginning of the reign of the Antichrist, the true reign of the Antichrist, where he will have uninhibited success in persecuting God's people, suppressing God's religion. Well, not suppress, he won't actually suppress it. People will still be saved. The truth will still get out there, um, but he will be in control of the world for this next period of time that we're going to talk about, and that is the 1260 days. So 1260 days, it's also referred to as times, times, and a half a time, or time, times, and a half a time, and then 42 months. And so you're in Daniel, go to Daniel 7. We'll just read this verse again that we covered a few weeks ago. So Daniel 7, verse 25, and this is speaking of the Antichrist. And it says, he will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the Highest One. And he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. And each time is one year in the book of Daniel. So you have one year plus two years times plus a half a year gives you three and a half years. Another reference, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you in Revelation 13, 5. This is again speaking about the Antichrist. It says, There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And so 42 months, time, times, and a half a time, 1260 days, they are all the same time, and that is three and a half years, and it is the second half of that week. So the second three and a half years of that one week. Now, there's a few other things that happen in that time where, again, the 1260 days is mentioned. And so go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And we'll be in Revelation for this, this, this verse and another verse. All right, Revelation 12, verse 6. In this vision, uh, John sees this woman who, when you study it, this woman represents the remnant of Israel. And it says in verse 6 of Revelation 12, then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. And so this woman who represents Israel a remnant of Israel. These are, this is the remnant of Israel that is able to flee Jerusalem and the land of Israel during the days of the Antichrist. So you might remember that uh, uh, in Matthew 24, we read the verse either last week or the week before, around verse 15, when he, he mentions that when the abomination that Daniel spoke about is set up, that if you are in Jerusalem, you better flee. You better run. Don't try to go into your house and get anything just if you're in Jerusalem at that time, you better run because that is the beginning of this terrible tribulation and really the slaughter and persecution that the Antichrist will lead against God's people. Well, this woman is the remnant that are able to escape and they escape into the wilderness where they are protected by God and nourished for the period that the Antichrist is in power. That is 1200, 
and 60 days. All right, another event that happens or another thing that happens during this period of time are the two witnesses. So go back one chapter to Revelation 11, verse 3. Revelation verse 3. And here it says, And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. So these two witnesses, they are two prophets of God. We've, I've briefly mentioned these guys in the past. And they will, they will begin their ministry arguably at the same time that the Antichrist begins his. So the Antichrist is going to come to power at the same time, these two prophets, these two witnesses, they also come up and they're protected for 1260 days. If you were to continue reading in Revelation 11, uh, if anyone tries to kill them during that period of time, uh, they are, the, that, those people are killed by fire. Fire comes out and consumes them. These witnesses, they do mighty miracles. And, and their job is to prophesy against the Antichrist and to give people who are willing to listen understanding and proper warning. And, and so these witnesses, they are protected for 1,260 days during that same time period that the Antichrist is in power. So that covers the 1,260 days. All right, next time that we're given in Scripture is 1,290 days. 1,290 days, or day 1,290 on your chart. And where this shows up is in Daniel 12, Daniel 12, and I have the reference there of the extra 30 days. So Daniel 12, verse 11. Boy, it took me a lot of time to put up this chart. This, this chart took me a lot of time, but I did it for you all. I did it for you all because I know, I know it's helpful. So, But uh, Daniel 12, verse 11. Daniel 12, verse 11. And this is the very end of the book of Daniel. We'll get there in due time. But here it said to Daniel, from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished, so that's that day zero, the, the middle of the week, and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Now, we don't have anything added on to that. So what does the end of that 1,290 days signify? What you know, what is that measure? We know about the 1260 days. Well, where does this extra 30 days come into play? And it's, it's difficult. We don't, we don't know from the book of Daniel, but if we look at details in the book of Revelation, we can make the argument that the extra 30 days is this kind of interlude between the, the technical end of the reign of the Antichrist and his death. And really, there's, there's a few things that happen that would indicate that there's going to be this gap of time. And one of them is, you'll see on your chart, preparation for Armageddon. Preparation for Armageddon. And uh, we won't go there, but in Revelation 16, verse 13 to 16, the, the Antichrist and his false prophet, who's basically his right-hand man that helps him out during his reign, um, they, at near the very time of the end, they send out these spirits that basically gather all the armies of the world that follow them 
to gather them together to wage war against Jesus Christ. And so that indicates that they're already aware that Jesus is, is present at some level. There may even be a chance that Jesus has already descended at Jerusalem. And so now the Antichrist and the false prophet, they're sending out their, 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 uh, these spirits that are then gathering up and recruiting all the armies for this final showdown with Jesus Christ in the area of Jerusalem. Also, we know that there has to be some gap of time because at the end of the 1260 days, it mentions in Revelation 11 that the two witnesses are finally killed by the Antichrist. So at the end of their period, the 1260 days, the two witnesses are killed by the Antichrist, and it mentions that their their bodies remain in the streets for three and a half days. And everybody is celebrating, the whole world starts celebrating the fact that these two witnesses are dead because these two prophets, they, they terrorize the unbelieving world with all the plagues and, and, and uh, different things that they bring upon the world. And so all the world is celebrating, they, their bodies are on the street for three and a half days, and then at the end of the three and a half days, they're resurrected. They're resurrected by the voice of God. They stand up where they're at, and then they ascend into heaven uh, like Jesus ascended into heaven. And so, and then, it, and it, but it says there that all of their enemies looked upon them as they were going up, if you were to continue reading in Revelation 11. So that indicates that at the end of that 1260 days, there has to be some time after that before the enemies of God are finally defeated and killed. And so based on those details we have in, in Daniel, in Daniel 12, 11, we have these extra 30 days, and I would argue that is what is happening in those 30 days. Well, at the end of then day 1290, after the 1290 days, I would suggest that that is the time that the Antichrist is finally killed and destroyed, thrown alive into the lake of fire, thrown alive into the lake of fire, and uh, you can read about that in Revelation 19, verses 20 to 21. We won't go there. Um, but I would argue that that is the end of the 1290 days. So at, at day 1290, the Antichrist, the false prophet, they are done. They are, they are in the lake of fire where they will burn for eternity. All right, the next time that we're given in Scripture is the 1,335 days. And so this is also in Daniel 12. You should already be there because we didn't turn to Revelation, or at least I didn't have you turn. So Daniel 12, I'm going to read verse 11 to you again, and then I'm going to read verse 12. So Daniel 12, 11 to 12. It says, From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination is set up, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. So 1,335, it's another hard date or a hard timeline that is given to us. And according to this description in Daniel 12, those who make it to day 1,335, they are blessed. They are blessed And what that indicates is that no wicked person will make it to this point alive. That anybody who is an unbeliever, anyone who has rejected Jesus at this point will be dead and 
and not on the earth anymore. The only people that will make it to this point are the righteous, those who have put their faith in Jesus. And, and so based on this, we have between the 1,290 days and the 1,335, we have 45 days. Now, what happens in this 45-day period of time? Well, what I think is happening is what is primarily known as the sheep and goat judgment and the setting up of God's kingdom on earth. So we will go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verses 31 to 34, we'll read about the sheep and goat judgment. All right, Matthew 25, verses 31 to 34. It says, but when the Son of Man, remember that title from Daniel 7, so Jesus is talking about himself. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, so blessed, that's the connection to Daniel 12, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for for you from the foundation of the world. And if you were to continue reading in this chapter, so the sheep are the righteous people that that either believed in Jesus or even just treated his people with compassion and mercy, and they are permitted to enter into the earthly kingdom of God. All of the goats that are put on the left, those are the wicked people who have survived up to this point. They've survived all of the plagues, all of the judgments, and now they're at this point, they've been brought before Christ by his angels, and now they're being separated, and if and if they're in the goat category, they're going to be killed on the spot and are not going to enter into the kingdom of God. And so that is why you are blessed if you make it to day 1335, because that is the end, arguably, of this judgment. And if you're alive at that point, you've made it. You're now permitted entrance and citizenship in God's kingdom, God's kingdom. All right, this now takes us then to the final, well, no, not quite the final, second to last, the penultimate uh, time that we're given, and that is the 2,300 days, which we covered in Daniel 8, 2,300 days. So Daniel 8, let's see, what do we got? Uh, yeah, go to Daniel, Daniel 8, verse 13 to 14, because we're going to be in... Ezekiel next, and uh, Ezekiel's close to Daniel, so you might as well turn there. All right, Daniel 8, verse 13 to 14, and we talked about this Wednesday, but I'll read it again. It says, "Then, then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to that particular one who is speaking, how long will the vision about the regular sacrifice supply while the transgression causes horror? so as to allow both the holy place and the host to be trampled. And he said to me, 
for 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the holy place will be properly restored. So the beginning of this 2,300-day period is day zero when the sacrifice was stopped and the abomination of desolation was established. At day 2,300, according to this revelation, at that point, the temple will be completely restored. And that marks the end of day 200 or 2,300. Now, what then is happening in the in-between? So the last date was day 1,335, now going to day 2,300. That's 965 days in between those two dates that you see in your chart. And I would argue that there are two things that are primarily going on at this time. So at this point, only righteous people, only only those who have been accepted by God are, are alive on earth. And uh, all the wicked people are now dead. God's kingdom has been officially established. People are probably put in their positions of authority. But there's some work to be done. And in these 965 days, I think there are two things that are going on. Uh, the first thing that's going on is the cleansing of the land of Israel. So now go to Ezekiel 39. Ezekiel is before Daniel, right? I think the very book before Daniel. So Ezekiel 39, I'm going to read verses 11 to 15. All right, Ezekiel 39, verses 11 to 15, it says, On that day I will give Gog, and Gog is a, a reference to the nations, I, I, I will give the nations a burial ground there in Israel, the valley of those who pass by east of the sea. The sea is the Mediterranean Sea. And it will block off those who would pass by. So they will bury Gog there with all his horde, and they will call it the valley of Hamon Gog. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Even all the people of the land will bury them, and it will be to their renown on the day that I glorify myself, declares the Lord God. They will set apart men who will constantly pass through the land, burying those who were, who were passing through, even those left on the surface of the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of the seven months, they will make a search. As those who pass through the land pass through and anyone sees a man's bone, then he will set up a marker by it until the bar barriers have buried it in the valley of Hamon Gog. So what's going on is th these are the dead remnants of everyone that was killed in the battle of Armageddon. This is what we can probably assume. So these are all the armies of the Antichrist, the armies of the nations that came against Jerusalem for the battle of Armageddon. And after every, once we get up to this point, sheep and goat judgment have already happened. God's kingdom has been established. Well, now the people of Israel are going to go through this area and basically the whole land of Israel, and they're going to start to bury all of the dead people from the nations in this specific burial ground that is designated here. And that is going to occur for at least seven months, probably longer, since it says that after seven months, they're going to, do a, they're going to have a search party that's going to kind of go through a second time looking for even bone fragments to bury. And the whole point of this is to cleanse the land of Israel from all the dead, to bury them properly, 
because this land is now going to be holy land where God himself is going to dwell. So that's one thing that's going on. A second thing that's going on is building a new temple in Jerusalem. Go to Zechariah chapter 6. So Zechariah is towards the end, should be before Malachi. So you have Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, before that is Malachi, and then you're in Zechariah before that. So Zechariah chapter 6, verse 12 to 15. Zechariah 6, starting in verse 12. It says, Then say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, a man whose name is Branch. Now, Branch or Branch Man, this is a reference to the Messiah. Comes from the uh, book of Isaiah is one of the places this title comes from. In fact, Nazareth, I think, is actually connected to the city of Nazareth, is connect, connected to this name. Um, but this man whose name is Branch, this is the Messiah, for he will branch out from where he is and he will build the temple of the Lord. Now, since he's the one building this, again, this has to be a fourth temple. We talked about this on Wednesday. There'll be four total temples. The third temple is the temple that the Antichrist defiles that will be built by the Jews before the Antichrist comes to power. Well, here, there's another temple that that Jesus himself will build. And arguably, he will build this after he defeat, well, during this time, this 965 days. So in verse 13, it says, Yes, it is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he who will bear the honor and sit and rule on his throne. Thus he will be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace will be between the two offices. It says, Now the crown will become a reminder in the temple of the Lord to Halem, and these various names, we'll skip through that. And then, let's see, where is the next one? Maybe I don't have the reference. Um... Oh, yeah, I do. Verse 15, those who are far off will come and build the temple of the Lord. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, and it will take place if you completely obey the Lord your God. So what I want you to see in verse 15 there is that Jesus is not the only one who builds this temple. He's, he's in charge. He's the, the, uh, the project manager, so to speak. But uh, also, people from all over the world will come and help build this temple. And what that indicates is that this temple is not just going to be built overnight. It's not as if God, even though he could theoretically speak the temple into existence, the fact that other people are coming from all over the world to build this temple indicates that this is going to be a normal, relatively normal building project where people are cutting stone, doing woodwork, and and building this with the Messiah. And that indicates that it's going to take some time, probably a few years to build it. And I would argue that this is happening in that 965-day period uh, between day 1,335 and day 2,300. At day 2,300, it's complete. The land has been completely cleansed of all the dead people, and the temple has been rebuilt and has been, you know, uh, started. You know, everything is going to be, is going is to start and now, for the next 993 years, will be God's kingdom on earth. And there will be mortal people who are having kids and families, and then there will be 
glorified people who were resurrected at the return of Christ. And they will all live together on earth in God's kingdom with Jesus Christ as the king of it all. Now, there's a final period of time that we're going to cover, and that is the 1,000 years. Now, we're short on time, so I'm probably going to just talk through, summarize these verses instead of read them to you. But we do have this thousand-year period, and there's, two, there's a start date and there's an end date. So according to Revelation, the start date of this 1,000 years is the imprisonment of Satan. Satan will be taken and imprisoned in the abyss, the prison of the angels. And that is year zero, and that will happen at the same time that the Antichrist is destroyed. So Antichrist, false prophet, they're thrown alive into the lake of fire. Satan is taken to the abyss where he is locked up for 1,000 years. So that starts year zero. You see in your chart in the blue there, year zero. Then at year 1,000, it says in Revelation that Satan will be released. He will be released and permitted to go back upon the surface of the earth one last time. And that marks the end of the thousand-year kingdom, as it's known. And so I have that in the, the highlighted, the thousand-year kingdom. Satan's release marks the end of that. And then for an unknown period of time, Satan is going to get to work, and he is going to go back and deceive the nations once again. He's going to spread his lies. He's, gonna, he's going to appoint his people, and a huge number from all the nations of the world at that time, are going to rebel against God one last time. And this is what could be called the, the, the battle of Gog and Magog. It's mentioned at the end of Revelation 20. The reference is on your chart. And this is like the final showdown. This is the final showdown between Satan and Jesus. And at this point, after he's deceived everybody and he started this rebellion, they're going to all come against Jerusalem one last time and fire rains down from heaven and kills them all. And Satan will finally be defeated. Once and for all, he will be thrown into the lake of fire at that point as well. And then that leads to the eternal state or the eternal period of time, eternity. Final period of time, even though there's no, because it's eternal, there's no really time uh, that's mentioned. But right after Satan is defeated, and the battle of Magog, Gog and Magog is over, it mentions in Revelation that the whole world at that time will be consumed by fire and God will recreate a new heaven and a new earth. So that's Revelation 21. There's also at the same time what's known as the white throne judgment, the great white throne judgment. And that's in Revelation 20 verses 11 to 15. It's on your chart as well the white throne judgment, this judgment is the judgment of all the wicked who have ever lived. So if, you, if, if somebody is wicked and they do not believe in Christ, they are basically kept in a kind of a holding cell in Sheol for all those years. At the white throne judgment, they too are resurrected. And that's when the wicked are resurrected and they will be judged. Everything that they've ever done that is sinful and evil will be judged. And at that point, after their judgment is complete, they will be thrown into the lake of fire with Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. 
Now, you know, you can imagine all the billions of people that have lived in world history. And we know from scripture that the majority of people who live are, are, des- are essentially uh, are not going to follow Jesus and are going to suffer this fate. And so you can imagine there's going to be billions of people that need to be judged for, for every deed that they've ever done. And uh, probably this is why this begins in the eternal state, because it's going to go on for a long time. This, this great right throne judgment is not just like a, a weekend affair. This is going to be probably millions of years of a process of just going through, you know, I, I can't confirm that. Scripture doesn't say, but it's going to be a long time because everyone's going to be judged. Every wicked person will be judged and thrown into the lake of fire at that point. And so, um, so yeah, there's a, a time of the end, timeline of the end, chronology of the end. I'm not saying that this is, you know, perfect. There's probably, you know, I mean, some, sometimes we're limited by what scripture doesn't tell us. And so I could be wrong, like for example, between the day, uh, with day 1290, 1290, um, you know, there's some uncertainty, but overall, I think that this is pretty accurate. And um, I hope this is helpful and a blessing. If you have any questions, let me know, but I'll close us in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Lord God, thank you for this morning and the ability to study this complex topic, but, uh, but also to have the ability to, to use tools like this and to, to lay it all out, Lord, so that we can be benefited and, and, uh, and blessed by it. Lord, I pray for all these students that the rest of this day, this Easter Sunday, would be a blessing to them, and uh, as well as this week. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the East Memorial Student Podcast. For more information and updates about East Memorial Student Ministries, please visit our website at eastmemorial.org. You can also follow us on our Instagram page titled EMBC Student. 